What's up, guys? It's uh, Doug here. Um, don't tell Brian, because he's not with me. Uh, but I'm going to release our first episode ever. Uh was not released the first time, and for good reason, because it is not good. Uh, you can see we're very arrogant. I stutter and stumble a lot, which is just fucking weird. Uh, and you can just tell we just don't have our shit together. But... We cover Hard Home, so if you liked Hard Home as much as Brian did, get ready because we're going to talk about it again for another hour and a half. Um, hope you enjoy this, guys. Uh, and thank you to our patrons. Uh, we didn't have any patrons. I just decided to release this. Please don't tell Brian. Okay, guys, uh, here we go. Thanks a lot. And check out our other podcasts, um, Flick Pals, uh, where we talk about movies. We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy and the Alien Covenant movie, which wasn't very good. Uh, and also uh, The Shameful Dead, which will be coming back this fall if the show is released, which I imagine The Walking Dead will come back. Anyway, guys, enjoy this and see you next Tuesday. to Ashamed of Thrones, uh, the weekly recap podcast for your favorite fan fiction uh, version of A Song of Ice and Fire called HBO's Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug and I'm joined with, by Brian. Hello. Hey, Brian. So uh, this is our first podcast and we're kind of going to do a review or kind of like a uh, practice or preview uh, of one of our favorite episodes, Hard Home from last season. Now, just a little backstory on why I'm doing this podcast, why I, I, I think Brian's joining me on this podcast is uh, I like the books. I discovered the books first. I liked them a lot. And the show came out, and I was really impressed with the show. I thought it was great, had great production value. I mean, it was HBO. Sure, there was some annoyances like, you know, uh, the, the prostitute Roz being like, you know, I don't know, some kind of brilliant character that the showrunners came up with to tie things together. Uh, and I thought... Things like that were a little annoying, but no big deal. But as the show growed on and went forward, uh, especially in this last season five, it, it was just awful. Like some of the decisions the uh, showrunners are making that have diverged from the books are just very questionable. Um, to the point where I thought about not even watching the show, uh, but then I realized that that's dumb because everybody's going to be watching the show and any spoilers will be spoiled for me regardless of whether I'm watching the show and the show's doing it. Or, you know, if I'm just on the internet at any time ever. Or if I talk to my mom over the phone or are on Facebook. Uh, major plot points going forward will be spoiled by the show that's just going to happen. Uh, so I didn't want that to just happen uh, to me. So I thought I'd be more proactive. And I want to uh, watch the show and also record this podcast so that I have some kind of, I don't know, coping mechanism for how, I don't know, irksome i predict the show is going to be going forward and has already been in the past um and with that be said brian what is, what is your feelings or why why did you want to do this why did i want to do the podcast or watch game of thrones uh both well the podcast i felt strong-armed into by my friend <laughs> doug which friend <laughs> no, no i i uh i enjoyed the show i read the books uh, after i watched the first few seasons and I enjoyed the books, but also there was real casual reading. I didn't look too far into it. And most of the uh, the show was pretty good up until this last season. I thought it was boring, and there was some real weird uh, veering off of the, the books, particularly the 
um, the Ramsey Bolton and Sansa Stark line. Yeah. But then this episode we're prepared to review, I think, really brought the show back into focus for me and made me excited about it again because particularly the uh, the, the last scene, which we'll discuss here in the uh, shortly. Uh, I mean, that was incredible TV uh, right. from a number of different perspectives. And so I, I think that it's headed towards a better place, but it spent so much time building up in season five. That was very disappointing. But let's go ahead and get into this episode. If you All right, real quick, though, I just want to point out that, like, it, to be fair, uh, everybody basically agrees, even book readers, well, uh, most of book readers, at least casual book readers, agree that the uh, fourth and fifth books were kind of a uh, very slow and meandering pace uh, in the books. You have this whole Dorn sequence, which isn't even brought up in the show. Uh, you know, where uh, the kid, uh, the heir to the Dornish, uh, whatever seat, uh, goes hunting for Daenerys and ends up presumably dead at the end. Oh. It was just rough. Yeah. Reading that was fucking rough. And even Tyrion, I love Tyrion, but he spent like ten chapters getting to Marine, and uh, it was just rough altogether, uh, just pacing wise. <laughs> But and I know I know it's not the focus. We're not going to go into it because this is the episode recap for right. specific episode. But somehow the show made uh, the Dorn stuff even worse. The, yeah, through the sand snakes. That's that. That's what. <laughs> How did they make like, it worse? Why did they bother to do it? That's my question. Is like it's so fucking yeah. bad that what implications does it have on the plot? Um, I mean, obviously they killed. Um, what's her face? Uh, uh, the the female. The young the. Yeah, the daughter. <laughs> the female. Bastard daughter. Of the Sea Siege sure. Lannister. Uh, yeah, the bastard daughter, Marcella. That happens but in this the... is not a bastard. It's an well, incest baby. it's an incest baby and it's out of wedlock, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's an incest baby. It was conceived bastard. out of wedlock, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's sinful regardless. Baby, baby basically deserves to get killed. So we're not going to argue <laughs> about it. Uh, so Marcella dies. But uh, just going back to the point, yeah. That's a that's a perfect point of why I it's hard to watch a show as great as a show is sometimes and ironically we're doing one of the better episodes admittedly by me and I'm more of a hater. Than I think Brian. it's the best one. Yeah, and I th- I'd say it's up there. Like I really like uh, the Blackwater, even though that was radically diverging, different. And my favorite scene of the whole, I think the whole season, at least not the whole series, was Cersei's walk of shame at the end. That that was done so well because it started off. You know, quiet. She and you just saw her break, uh, and it was just it. It was torturous, and you actually felt bad for her a little bit. Uh, but then you realize well, she's, I a didn't, crazy, but that's you. she's a crazy bitch, and will uh, <laughs> she's terrible. She is terrible. All right, all right. So let's get into it. All right, so hard home. So the the show opens with uh, in Marine with Dora and Tyrion standing before Danny, <laughs> looking like sad sacks, uh, and uh, you know, basically having to explain themselves. Uh, I guess Jorah's been exiled, so him coming back uh, is an annoyance to Danny, and she obviously hates Tyrion because he's a Lannister, and the Lannisters, uh, you know, ruthlessly murdered her family, like family members, Rhaegar's uh, children. Famously, Ag- baby Aegon was smashed upon a wall, and uh, uh, Rhaegar's wife raped and murdered, which is what the uh, whole... Um, Battle with the Viper versus the Mountain was about. So obviously, uh, Danny doesn't like Tyrion for that reason, and she doesn't like Jorah because Jorah wants to hit it. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, Danny doesn't want any part of that. Yeah, so I don't remember in the books. I don't think that Jorah and uh, Tyrion were before Daenerys. I don't think 
it ever got there in the books. But I think it makes sense no, in the no. greater scheme of where the books are likely to go. Um, right. Where all these entitled assholes will join together to save the kingdom <laughs> yes. against the others. And, right. you know, I, but I did think that this scene was effective in that it did position Tyrion as somebody who could provide good advice. Right. You know, he said that Mormont shouldn't be executed because you, Danny wouldn't be a great leader if she executed the people who loved her. But at the same time, right. he could not be close to her because of his prior betrayals. And the thing about the show that struck me as different from the books is the books definitely upped the level of Jorah creepy love. Yeah, this is almost Danny. like you feel more sympathy in the, the TV show version of Jorah because it's almost yes. like not too creepy, uh, but it's just disgusting in the books. Yeah, when he initially finds Tyrion in the brothel, he's with a Daenerys <laughs> Targaryen lookalike right. whore. He's yeah. having sex with, and by the way, spoilers, go, go ahead and... If, if you didn't know there was going to be spoilers for the the show and the books, or for some reason, uh, why the fuck are you listening? So take back everything. Yeah, you're said. a real weirdo if you're listening to this and yeah. you haven't read the books. So, so, but in the books, uh, Brian's absolutely right. Uh, uh, Tyrion sees Jorah, and Jorah captures Tyrion. But when they see each other, Jorah has a girl on his lap in a whorehouse, uh, and uh, presumably he's either having sex with her, or about to have sex with her, and she's a dead giveaway for. Uh, or uh, Danny, so that's pretty goddamn yeah. creepy. And and Jorah's, you know, old and not good looking at all. Not like this Jorah. Uh, Jorah's described as being like a wiry, haired, uh, hairy bastard, kind of just gross looking, and uh, middle age. So, um, and you combine that with his. I mean, through the he's more of a hero in the show, right? And you you combine that with the fact that. Um, that he contracts the grayscale in the show, but does it in the book. Right. He, he, they really paint him as a sympathetic character, which I don't know that he necessarily is nearly as much in the books. No, uh, he's becoming sympathetic in the books because he's been a slave and a slave for much longer, and he doesn't get to fight and be heroic in the book. He's just a piece of shit. He's already branded on his face with a slave yes. mark, which which I think hits harder than the uh, show because... In the books, he sold the reason he had to fucking go into exile from Westeros and in the show, you know, he's exiled from Danny. But the original reason he was exiled was because he sold people into slavery. So it's fitting that Jorah becomes a slave. Sure. Uh, and that was and done so in the we're, show, we're but only for like, I don't know, a week or whatever time it took them to get there, and it didn't seem like he was whatever, hard put upon. So and we're we're gonna refer to Daenerys as Danny. Uh, yeah, because that, I mean, so then the next so, scene yeah, no, was so, um, so three syllables. Yes, Brian is way too much. Three sure. syllables, way too much for Daenerys. Absolutely. Has, did anyone call her Danny on the show or in the books? Uh, I believe so. Uh, maybe that, or I've just heard enough. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire podcasts that that's just what the fandom refers to her as. So uh, I could be confused there. Well, if you've heard one, including this one, you've heard too many. <laughs> yeah, you probably heard too many. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Once again, uh, yeah. why are you listening to this? And right. thank you for joining us. All right. Uh, so basically, next up, our sponsors, Me Undies. <laughs> me Undies. Uh, yeah, go to Squarespace. It's, enter the offer code. Got, go fuck yourself. It's made, it's made out of Modal, the most comfortable fabric in the world. Right. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, at the end of this, Tyrion convinces her to spare Jorah's life, but says, this guy can't be near you or when you, you know, when you go to Westeros. And she agrees, and she sends Jorah away again, and then we're reminded again that Jorah has grayscale, which um, 
the the characterized gray spell scale in the books hasn't really uh, infected a large populace, which I feel has to happen. And I feel it's the same way with Jorah. Jorah has to give grayscale to somebody else. Otherwise, he's just dying out of it of it slowly, and it just makes. I don't. Him- I don't agree with that. I think that what they're going to do is that Jorah is going to redeem himself somehow, but get back in her good graces, and then they're going to somebody's going to be able to cure the grayscale, a la Stannis's daughter. I don't see him, but I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my theory. I don't think that you uh, you put that character through that much shit and then let him just die of grayscale. It could be, but at the same time, I think. More importantly, or the potential for Jorah to spread grayscale to somebody else or an entire population. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the book, the and I'm going to say every time you hear the word or the phrase uh, in the book, you drink. Okay, so in the book, uh, there's a separate sickness that is uh, affecting the city of Marine during this time period called the Pale Mare, and uh, I just assumed that Jorah would spread this disease to. The population, but maybe that's once again. It's is Jorah carrying this disease to give it to somebody else or many somebody's else, or is it just to make him more sympathetic because he's now dying? Right. Do you have a do you have an opinion? I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think it could go either way. I, the way they painted him so far in the show makes him look like a hero or a sympathetic character. I agree I, with I don't, that. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And also, I thought the pale mare referred to a, a, a rash of heroin addictions. <laughs> I didn't know that was actually a disease. No, that's that's but, pale Mary. Okay. <laughs> so the next episode, or the next scene was uh, Cersei in the militant faithful jail. Yeah, I call it church jail. Church jail. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Not to be confused with church's jail. Just, uh, but they feed you that shitty chicken all day. Yeah, the, the floors are real sticky. It's dingy, but the chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man. Yep. All Love right. that chicken from church. No, that's not it. That's how the song goes, yeah. Cersei Lannister throughout the show has been my least favorite character. Yeah. And I love this scene in a later scene that we'll talk about, but I really enjoyed seeing her being hitten with, uh, beaten with the, spoon, the one spoon by the Faith Milton lady. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I... I, I am afraid of I'm afraid of Cersei, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Don't you realize she will kill you? Like, yeah. she's going to get out of this. She is, uh, you know, she's gonna. I, I don't know. Uh, even in the books, when when that was happening, I was like, these people don't know how crazy she is. It isn't because it's that thing where you're afraid of Mike Tyson's not because he's like powerful and strong and muscular. You're afraid of Mike Tyson's because he's fucking crazy and he'll bite your goddamn ear off. Yeah. That's the way I feel about Cersei. And she, you know, she's going to go crazy when she gets this zombie, um, you know, warrior. And they even see that in the previews for the new season. So, sure. So she's going to exact and revenge. Obviously. The thing about her is, uh, you know, the, all these people are vying for the, the throne to be in charge of Westeros for God knows why, because right. it seems like a terrible proposition. It does. All of them are just these entitled assholes. They are, and by and it's only by virtue of the feudal system that they're in these places. Right. The only person like who's actually a guy who you would say, "Hey, this guy really worked for it," would be Littlefinger. But that guy's a creep and a half. Right. You know, he's the, and he's he, the all-American story, really. Like he <laughs> he raised himself up from nothing by hard work and lies, which is basically you know what you're taught uh, in America. Sure. This is how you're going to get ahead. And yeah, he's a complete creeper as well because he wants to, you know. But out of all these entitled assholes, 
I, she seems like the least defensible out of all of them. I mean, she bangs her brother. She enables Joffrey. She has these bastard kids. Kills uh, her her husband. Kills a bunch of people. I don't. Maybe there's something. So uh, all right, the thing about I got a theory about this, Brian. So I feel like uh, Cersei and Jaime are twins. So they're always going to be um, you know thought of together. And Jaime had his real turnaround moment when he got his hand cut off. Um, yeah, he got severely injured. He got his identity taken away from him, and it turned him into a better person. Whereas Cersei it, 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 has it, it, her weapon, not to interrupt, her sex. Real quick, Doug, not to interrupt, but the, but that that was really borne out by his interactions with um, Brienne of Tarth. Brienne, yeah, she influenced him. That humanized him a lot, right? And he, you know, when he decided to go back for her and save her from the bear pit, that was when he decided yeah. saying. You know, destiny isn't set. I don't have to be the Kingslayer. I can write my own destiny. I can be the hero. You know, it's and he's never. He, it's he's also never. Too. He's never like chased the crown either. Like hmm. he's been content with being on the Kingsguard. He's not. He's not concerned with ruling everybody. No, he, he doesn't just even wants, want Caster. Kind of just wants to hang out. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want Caster Lee Rock when it's offered to him. Yeah. So he doesn't. Well, he doesn't have any. Yeah. Okay. So regardless, he just becomes a more sympathetic character because. Mm-hmm. He's met with trauma. He's met with a lack of identity. His identity gets taken away from him, and he decides to become a better person. Whereas Cersei, this is her traumatic moment. She gets mm-hmm. her sexuality, her uh, her everything. She gets everything stripped from her, uh, her dignity, and she's she walks through the you know crowd. Even her in the ability book. to bang her cousins, right? Uh, yeah, she <laughs> she's banging her cousins. or her brother. But basically, this is not going to turn her into a better person. I feel like no. Cersei is going to get even crazier, even even more despicable um, going forward. And let's not um, let's not dismiss the fact that she's going to learn that her the second of her three prophesied children to die is going to be dead, and Jamie's going to bring her that news. So I can yeah. imagine that she's just going to go ape shit. Um, sure, she's going to be the next Mad King Ares, uh, essentially. Uh, oh, that's a good to. that's a good parallel. Right. Yeah. Okay, so she gets slapped around. The next scene, uh the next scene we got is uh in the house of black and white. Now Arya's <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. That's snoring. That's snoring yeah, noise this, in case you can hear it. You would have told me somebody would learn to be a ninja assassin, I would have said, Well, that sounds awesome. I want to see every bit of that. No, thank you. This is some boring, uh boring nonsense and it, it I I just don't like the House of Black and White in the show, the way it's done. I, I know they brought uh, Jack and Hagar back, the guy who played Jack and Hagar. Um, to, to I, like, be, I like that dude. Yeah, he's 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 creepy looking. He seems mysterious. Um, but I I just I don't know. I'm just bored by it. But essentially, uh, Arya gets an orders to kill some dudes. There's like, well, you're very good at being this, pretending to be this other girl. Uh, so you're gonna. What are you gonna do this time? Is instead of taking a right, you're gonna go left and you're gonna see a man, learn everything about him. And then you're going to, you know, basically kill him, give him the gift of uh, death. Um, but she's she's pretending to be some girl. I forgot the name. She's She has a false identity. So again, mm-hmm. it's all about loss of identity or, or, or weird identities in this uh, show and book. But she is this oyster salesman. And I could never, <laughs> I couldn't get around, get over. Those oysters got to fucking smell. There's, there's no way those things stay fresh. Even if they're like brought off the boat first thing in the morning, there's no refrigeration. Walk around. Just, just walking with around. a wheelbarrow of, of stuff. Yeah, it, doesn't, it might not be sweltering, but it doesn't. It's yeah. not, you know, 
it's just probably disgusting and nobody bathes. So like, and the way they eat the oysters that, you know, that shit's all over their hands. It just, people just must smell like shit back in this time. Cause this is, well in this, whatever the, the time they're going for during this historical <laughs> yeah, the time his, period, the historical documents as uh galaxy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I really don't have much to say. It's, um, I, the entire, the entire story arc of that house of the dead, it, the, I, I did not like it. First, the third person speech drives me bonkers. A yeah. girl says this. A man says this. It's really boring. Right. And they spent all the season building up to this thing, and it's still not entirely clear what is going on with it. Right. It's it's really the way that they set it up is it seems in that this episode they seem to set up that these people are assassins for people who pray to. Yeah, for the common God. man, the guy that won't. Uh, he even says he's like. Well, this guy gambles uh, on whether somebody will come back, and yeah. and if he, the husband doesn't come back, and he decides, hey, I don't want to pay out the insurance policy to the wife, he doesn't have to, making it seem like. But but they're the, the good the, guys. The, in the episode where they introduce that guy, he refuses to uh, take on a policy, from what I can understand. He right. refused to insure the guy. Now, right. I guess the uh, the thing <laughs> right. is that this, that the guy he refused to insure the guy because he believed the guy's journey would be safe, uh, but. If you thought it would be safe, then yeah. Why would the guy be so pleased? You have to do this. Uh, I yeah. might die. If well, it was if it was dangerous, then, then the guy would take right. on the thing because then he would get be able to just save the money. At right. the same time, we know this organization is also um, assi- at least Aria has assisted in the in the uh, someone's um, suicide, basically more or less. Right, but absolutely, that, she has. Yeah, so I, it's really nebulous, and for a thing that took so long to build up. There's still no answers, and I fucking hate the wave. Yeah, the wave, the wave is awful because she's just she's not in the book. She's a, a stunted old woman, or at least a woman who's like 35, who has the voice of a child. I'm thinking, like, did you ever see the Dune movie? Uh, no, it's not good. Don't see it. <laughs> but okay. if you did, they overdub this little girl's voice with like an old lady's uh, or a grown woman's voice, and it's very creepy. But that's kind of the way I pictured the wave. This is just some kind of bratty... Some lady! Some lady! Right. This is just some bratty uh, fucking, uh, you know, fellow teenage girls, like she's in uh, high school, and this this girl's like, see, I got, you know, Brad, or whatever. So they, they spent all, so much time... They did send... It's because they, Arya is a fan favorite. That's why it is. It's just, it's playing up to the fans. I, but they, they, Doug, they spent so much time leading up to this thing, and nothing... It, 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 you really don't know much. And the entire no. the entire proposition of the thing is just stupid and it's boring, and I want to play the game of faces with anybody who was involved in the story arc. <laughs> in other words, be able to slap them multiple times. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I really don't see where it's going. Obviously, and one other thing that I, before we move on, because we're spending a lot of time on this for something we don't like, which I guess is the premise of the whole show. But um, the. What I just don't understand is they seem to be setting her up for failure. Or like, why did they choose her? She doesn't seem like she's doing well. She doesn't seem like she's very good at anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like they expect her to fail. And what is the end game? Because we know Arya is not going to go off and become a faceless man, and that's going to be what she does for the rest of her life. She's going to have some kind of like Luke Skywalker in Episode Five. Uh, I think that where I she think the leaves answer- the training un- unfinished. And the answer, the answer like actually happened of, during this episode. What is it? The, the, uh, that uh, Jaquin said to the waif, or the waif said to Jaquin, she is not ready. 
And right. Jacqueline said, it is all the same to the faceless God. Right, because he doesn't so, yeah, so that so he doesn't care. No, so they don't. They don't really care. The wife cares for some reason. But why? Like the wife is the office, the annoying person in the office. Yeah, and Jack Quinn <laughs> th- thinks people give them people a, a chance. You know, give right. them a problem. Let's see what they can do. The wife's all. Wah, 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 wah. So we have to see how this whole thing plays out. But I, I will voice my opinion. I'm sure you are same way. I'm not thrilled for her continuing training in the next coming season. I'm hoping she. Gets on assignment and goes back to Westeros soon, uh, or something, or or leaves. I, I think she defects. Right. It takes the skills that she's learned, that's, and then that's what something? we're all assuming. I don't know. Becomes one of uh, Melisandre's uh, baby assassins. I don't know. That could be cool. Right. Who knows? <clears throat> so right. then the next episode is a return to Cersei in the jail. Kyburn goes to hey, talk Kyburn to Cersei. Visits. Yay. Yeah, uh, which I thought that was odd because you would think that the person who would go talk to her would be like her, you know, her her best advisor. But I guess maybe Kyburn is because in theory he's bringing back Robert Strong. But it's not like Kyburn's ever been set up to be a guy who would be the facilitator of, hey, I just got the charges from the whoever, uh, the, the high sparrow and brought them down to you, you know. Yeah, but and, Kyburn is the one person, like, I think everybody's distancing themselves from Cersei. No, that's true. And yeah. Kyburn thinks his only play to advance himself in whatever his studies or his position at all is to get in good with Cersei. So he's clinging to her with both hands, and as she rises and falls, so does he. So I mm-hmm. think he has a vested interest in making sure uh, she's taken care of. So that's that's, that's my that's thought. That's a good point. Yeah. And the, the one, one difference that we, that is, um, that is big in the between the book and the movie or the, the the television series is that in the television or in the book she was also accused of murdering the high septon yeah by osney kettleblack which is uh you know that I, i'm surprised they didn't bring that into this series because you would think that that would make even if they just had it as like a background they mentioned it's one of those things that they do in the show where they mention it for just a minute or two right and you don't you would never understand what it actually meant yeah unless you watch the show five times read a book and then maybe read the recap. <laughs> right. But, but that still, would, it wouldn't that, piss you off if you, you saw it in passing. You'd be like, okay, that happened. No, it, but I think it would add gravity to it because not only is she doing all these diddling her brother and whatever, but she's also murdering Septons on top of that. Right. Um, even though that high Septon was, um, you know, was appointed deposed because yeah. of uh, him diddling, you know, people. In, in, <laughs> it's uh, all about diddling on this. Yeah, there was a lot of diddling. Yeah. Um, and you know, I th- I th- th- this scene and then the next scene with Cersei that we'll discuss in a few minutes, they really illustrate the lack of remorse that she has. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is the she, amount of arrogance. Right, it's the amount of arrogance. It's they can't break her. They can break no. her. They can break her like body, but you know she's going to have that point where you know that place where she goes to, like where you know they say. I think there's a point where in the books they Tom is actually talking to Jamie and he has a real tender moment. And he's just like. I go, I go away inside when uh, Joffrey hurt me. Uh, yeah. You know, a place where you couldn't touch, and that place for Cersei is a whole ball of go fuck yourself. It's there's no remorse in there. She thinks she's better, and she even says like, it's this entitlement thing where she's like, I'm not going to bow to that commoner. Uh, yeah. Septum, yeah. So oh, I remember that. Yeah. Remember. So, and yeah. Just, what's what's even more insane is that she armed the faith militant, ostensibly yeah. just to deal with. The Tyrells, yeah, who right. are actually their allies, and just because she was pissed at Marjorie, right, was getting close to her. The 
I mean, if she would just would have like swallowed her pride a little bit and, and said, Marjorie, you're my sister-in-law now, or you're a mother or daughter-in-law, I guess. And then, I mean, they could have actually ruled. Or, or the, just sucked it up until they had like their first kid and then yeah. hired a faceless man to kill him or not even a faceless man. Just, you know, you probably could have had her assassinated somehow, but I think she's motivated by, and I don't know if it was this season. I think it was where they introduced the whole prophecy about how oh, yeah. mm-hmm. her kids dying, which is once what I referred to earlier. So basically all her kids will die and uh, another uh, younger and uh, right. beautiful woman, basically the Snow White thing comes in to depose her. So I think she's motivated by that as well. That's why she might have acted rashly. Plus she's just crazy. She's just, she's just full yeah. of anger and hate. Yeah. So then the, the next, that was a relatively short scene. So then yeah. it transitioned to... Reek bringing Sansa tea. Yeah, and Bolton fell. Oh, man. I, I, I hate this entire line is so terrible. It's awful. It is just, yeah. this, is, this is the worst for me. Um, just a word on this, uh, if I'm an event, uh, I don't know. Uh, to have a main point of view character be raped on camera uh, in the show is just so fucked up. Like, well, it's not the first one. Well, Cersei, uh, you can argue she was raped before, and I, I think there was a little bit more, I don't you know. You could also ambi- argue Daenerys, too. Yeah, you could. Absolutely, you could. I mean, uh, and then, once again, uh, at least statutory in our uh, time and place, but <laughs> ab- absolutely. But uh, but I don't know. This was just, this was just like, filthy, and it was awful, and... And plus, it's counterintuitive to her entire arc. Like I mentioned this before, she's becoming. She went from becoming a victim to slowly gaining power and slowly being a player in the Game of Thrones. Uh, somebody has referred to this as pawn to player or pawn to queen, uh, but basically, it's her um, just growing in uh, agency and becoming uh, more of an active participant in her. What happens to her? And this is just a huge step back. Just well, so, I think that, I think the showrunners have argued that in the unbroken, unbent, whatever the hell that was, that was two episodes ago, and I think the showrunners have argued that that was the point where she turns from being a victim to being uh, controlling her own destiny. After that, but this scene in particular, it was, it's really, I mean, this entire arc is terrible, especially in the if you look at what happened in the books. In the books, Sansa never even met. Ramsey Bolt, right. if you recall, At least not it was, yet. Uh, no, it was uh, 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 one of her friends, Jenya Poole. Yeah, Jane who was Poole. Disguised, yeah, was disguised as Arya Mary Ramsey. So right. this is what's really striking about this uh, this this scene, and then the scenes that led up to this scene is that these showrunners created this entire scene out of whole cloth. Yeah, and it's the worst part about the show, right? And that's what this is the this is the crux of why I'm doing this podcast is I realized yeah. that the. You know, the emperor has no clothes, as it were. I feel like without the source material, we're gonna really find out uh, what these showrunners are about. This is gonna be where they uh, flyer uh, falter. Uh, well, so we'll to, to a couple couple things as devil as devil's advocate here. First, we don't know what George R. R. Martin told them about what was going to happen in the future. We at least know that he told them the end game. We don't know how sure. many details and plot points that. So, but so so if you are if this actually happens, if Sansa yeah. ends up marrying Ramsay for some reason in the future, then it would make <laughs> Doug Doug. It would make sense <laughs> if they're trying to do the show to com- if they're compressing the books down. 
Yeah, they're definitely so, compressing. So, so if, they're, if they're compressing the books, and eventually um, Sansa ends up marrying Ramsay, then it makes sense to cut out the Jenya Pool story and get straight to the Sansa Ramsay story because that's a lot more important. I, than, I guess, and, and once again, we're not going to know until the book comes out. But right now, it yeah. just feels awful. Uh, right, and and then the other counter the other counterpoint is though is that the and we'll get we're going to get to the actual hard home scene. That's the best scene I think in the show's history, right. and that was that's from what I've. Brian, Brian, uh, you cut out there for a second. Repeat what repeat what you just said. Last so my, I think the best part of the show, or the, my favorite scene of any of these episodes, has been the end of this episode, mm-hmm. which, from what I understand, is an amalgamation of four different things that were not not nearly fully explored. Right, it, it's more of a creation of the showrunners right which and by the way that's almost entirely the creation of the showrunners because right these are this is not something that's coming in the books right and i I will this is something that happened basically where no first person uh point of view uh character was around us to witness and it didn't involve first person uh or main characters like tormund and john and but more to that and i will go back to um uh, to counter uh, that argument later, uh, my whole mm. point is that yes, it is. It's good. It's good television, but it's kind of you know, uh, it's it's full of a lot of cliches and tropes, which I will pick apart later in the second half of the show. Yeah, but uh, and, finishing, and, oh, go ahead. It, uh, well, and, and this also this whole thing transitions into my problems with with Ramsey Bolton in the next scene where he has the uh, he says to his dad. As, as uh, Roose Bolton wants to do, wait out the uh, eventual right. siege. Right. And then Ramsey Bolton says, "Oh, I just need twenty good men," and it sets Ramsey up as this tactical genius right. that, you know, uh, in benefit of uh, foresight, right. he ends up being by basically obliterating Stannis's ability to uh, mount an army. Right. But th- it's really it's troubling to me that they make that the showrunners seem to make Ramsey Bolton. The like most brilliant person in all of Westeros, right? Even even to his like just in the face of his father, who his father yeah. is a brilliant tra- tactician that you know is mm-hmm. part of orchestrating the Red Wedding. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. It just it it this whole like so the Reek storyline that we're talking about now and Ramsay storyline the the whole Ramsay thing bleeds into Stannis, which we will get to. Uh, it's the part I just I fucking hate. I just. Uh, I just hated how quickly the whole Stannis, um, just the pacing of the Stannis storyline. Like, I don't expect Stannis to win the Iron Throne. I expected him to fall at some point. But the way he fell in so quick, it just seemed rushed and dumb. It made us feel like, it made me feel like I wasted all my time uh, watching any of the moments to do with Stannis. I mean, because the only living yeah. person, the only legacy of the Stannis um, arc is going to be Melisandre. And, you know, she's, who knows what she's going to do with John. Uh, but you know, she's, uh, it, she's not likable either. Let's just say that. Yeah. But yeah, she, I think she definitely is like a critical character. Like she's going to, but you know, we're, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, and yeah, yeah. We're Let's, trying to do a hard home preview. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, so but Stannis point, bullies Reek into admitting that he didn't kill Bran and Rickon. And then he storms out like a little girl. And, was that in this episode? Yeah. Yeah. That was when, so this is where we first go to Boltonfeld and uh, Theon and Sansa, like 
Dion brings her a cup of tea or some shit, and they talk, and he's just she's just like, "Why did you do it? Why did you do it?" He's like, "No, I did all that other shit, but I didn't kill Brandon Ricken." Oh yes, yes, Sansa does, but right. but yeah, I thought you said Stannis. Oh, did. I probably did. Yeah. So we'll edit that yes. in post. <laughs> okay. Uh, Theon comes in and gives Sansa some tea. Sansa Lannister, if you will, or slash Bolton, because she's been married twice. Um, she probably didn't. Con- we know she didn't consummate the Lannister. Uh, marriage, but still, she gets around. All right, you don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that. I mean, the rest of the uh, the show doesn't know, the rest of the world doesn't know that. But anyway, so Sansa bullies Reek into admitting that he didn't kill Brandon Ricken, uh, and then he runs away, and then that leads right into Ramsay and Roose talking in the the Great Hall of Winterfell, uh, and Ramsay's like, "I can fuck with Stannis. All I need is twenty good men." Thoughts. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't like that. The, the idea <laughs> I that somehow didn't like it. <laughs> no, it's it's just silly. That, yeah, it's stupid and silly, and it seems like one of these like uh, bullshit. It's like a trope. It comes up. You're gonna see more shit yeah. like this, where it's just like something out of a shitty Hollywood movie that they just throw together. Like, I haven't seen uh, London Has Fallen. I did see Olympus Has Fallen on a dare. And it was terrible, but it was full of shit like this. All I need is 20 good men. This sounds like the plot of The Expendables. Right. Yeah, and and, and tying back to what I said before, Ramsey's the least likable character on this show, mm-hmm. and they're just setting him up to be the, the probably the most uh, effective he's, he's, military he's, leader. Yeah, but I think he, they're just making him cartoonishly bad, too. Like, they're yeah. taking away any kind of depth to the character, and he's just like... You know, the new Joffrey, the new person to hate. Uh, sure, but I mean, like, how could he have a plan... Where he could take twenty people to Stannis's camp, right? And when you that see nobody it, else could think of, and, and you, we don't even know how it happened or what he did, or right? That's and so that's great. things we won't get to it because it's in the next episode. But really fast, when they show the aerial shot, it's just yeah. like twenty different fires light up in twenty different places in this camp, and nobody gets caught. All okay. twenty of those guys get away. That seems yeah. it just seems dumb. And if if like if Ramsey, he's he has a hint of magic. That, yeah. that would be enough for me to go, okay, well, you know, he's used his magic uh, powers. But no, he's just he's just such a piece of shit. He's just that some he's, creep. Yeah, he's just that much of a creep that he knows tactics well enough to get 20 good men, mind you. I mean, we're not talking about just, just any men. No, and he doesn't want an exceptional man. He just needs <laughs> good men. Good men. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's so, so, so stupid. Right. That, that, that whole scene, that was cringeworthy. But anyways. All right, so moving next on. Next scene, Doug. All right, so, uh, Brian... We go to Marine, and uh, this is Danny and Tyrion chatting about mm-hmm. uh, in this long philosophical discussion. That's just it's pretty it's pretty bad, uh, but it rambles on. They talk about their families. My dad was a piece of shit. And your dad is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and this is what I wanted to bring up during the scene, Doug. What I realized he was negging her. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I yeah. Think he, got a chance. he kept saying, "Are you good enough?" Yeah, oh, yeah, no. He goes. He He's goes. He's negging her. It worked. She says, well, why should I let you into my service? Let you into your service? I just met you. I haven't decided if I want to do that yet. I'm like, oh, well, man. We'll, we'll know if you're good enough. You have to prove it. I mean, it, it, he's it, just, yeah, he's just like, that dress looks really good. I mean, most most girls couldn't couldn't pull that off, but it kind of well, looks good on you. Hey, uh, nice shawl. Does it come in your size? <laughs> I think I'm, if this I'm, if this was a historical really document, this would be the first uh, uh, incidence of somebody negging someone on, on right. in a historical context. Mystery would be proud. Yeah. 
Uh, but but basically, they talk about uh, you know they're just talking about their dads, mm. and for some reason she she ga- she gives him his trust. She decides not to kill him. Says um, Tyrion's argument too is just like you know you know uh, she says she wins the masses and she gets the common people to like her. But Tyrion says, well, rich people are people too, you know, and you have to gain their trust. Um, and well, that- I buy the whole she needs an advisor. When she goes back to Westeros, I she mean, I buy that. Absolutely does, and she can't have Jorah because he's a fucking creep. Oh yeah, well yeah, I mean, he's a slave driver, or he's a slave abductor. But at the same time, to murder. Her. Yeah, but at the same time, at the end of this, um, at the end of the season, uh, Varys shows up in fucking Marine. So why do you need Tyrion? No, I don't know, but that's beyond the scope of this episode. Right, all right, I'll keep Doug. it on pace, guys. So and the, the 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 part about this episode that struck me or this uh scene that struck me was the the break the wheel comment right it was you know what because you first of all didn't she already fail that aren't they back to to like uh have slaves in slavers bay or like one of these right. other places that she's, she's not took? she's she's she broke the wheel and now she's inventing a new wheel again right and i'm like hold on bernie sanders <laughs> right. she's yeah but she's also the election first yeah, but she hasn't won an election, so she's arguing against. She's going to break this this feudalism that exists, but she is a product of it. She's the queen, right? And, That's you know, her so whole, her whole point is being one of these spokes, and let's say the I don't know biggest spoke. I don't, I don't know where the metaphor uh, starts to fall apart at this point, but she is just another family. She just has the most powerful spirit animal. That's it. Yeah. I don't know how she thinks that the anybody else. In fact, her family was the crazy family. I don't know why right. she's the, the one to break the wheel. And then what happens when you break the wheel? Then just her family dominates everyone right. after that. It's not like she's going to suddenly be working in a field right. next she to somebody else. She doesn't. Uh, the The whole thing just falls apart. This is why it's like this dime store f- uh, philosophy that really doesn't uh, yeah. pan out or have any kind of like. I wasn't going. Mm, oh, what? I wonder if Bernie Sanders could break the wheel. No, right. It just doesn't. It doesn't have. It's just dumb. I, it I is. Know. It makes no sense because in eighty, if she retains a power, a position of power, then the wheel has not been broken. And said, all it's down to one spoke. Right. And exactly. That's all it is. Yeah. And everybody else is the have-nots at that point. Yeah. If she still lives in a castle, she still right. tells people what to do. She still has a measurable wealth. And, and she can't have kids, so I don't know. The dynasty will begin and end with her because she's, she's you know, whatever, because of whatever happened with that woods woman, not oh, that, yeah. the witch woman. She said her womb will not quicken until, like, a hundred things happen. But at the end of the book, um, Dance of Dragons, the book, she starts bleeding out of her JJ, which some people think is her having her period again. But regardless, at this point, she doesn't think she can have heirs. So she's going to bring about this uh, golden age for what? 25 years? What's the uh, age expectancy at this time? I don't know. Well, it's not historical. So. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, time, yeah. And I think a lot of. Uh, anyway, um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, I don't think she has a clear plan of succession as evidenced by the end of this last season. Right. So, but then it, it bops back over to Jorah yep. visiting his former slave owner, and he begs to be in the fight. <laughs> Which, just, once again, is just like just so, super dumb and uh, 
you know what? It's it's just one of the things that I forgave though. I'm just like, all right, fine. You know, Jorah's obsessed with her. He wants to come back for a third shot, and the show is very obsessed with uh, three times. Yeah. Somebody will fail twice, and then the third time they'll succeed. Um, and we have the foresight of he appears and saves her life later. But all right, but at the, okay. in a vacuum, this thing was so that just get the hit, buddy. Right, just go or, away. Or or here's the thing: is you could probably help her from afar. You know what I yeah. mean? You don't have to be in her good because graces. now he's, he's far from helping. Am I right? Right, he's. Helping from afar, far from helping. He's a miler. He's good mm-hmm. from afar, but he's far from good. There you go. All right. Um. So yeah, then we go back to church jail. My favorite. Yes. My favorite jails. And uh, Cersei has moved on from um, uh, denial to bargaining, and she's just like trying to make deals. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she's making progress in this whole. I'm trapped here, and I'm really up shit creek. Um. But she licks uh, water off the floor. <laughs> I wrote down on my uh, notes, LOL, because I actually yeah. laughed at that. <laughs> and all I can imagine is the septums outside laughing at her. She's like, that that thing was full of piss. She's oh, look at that bitch. The <laughs> <laughs> See them just laughing, crack up. Oh, she's going back for more. She's going back for more. <laughs> she better pull her hair back or she's going to get her hair to she's water. Oh. <laughs> The the comeuppance in this so that this series of uh, scenes for her right. is great, and I think it's actually better than I. Lo- well, that's that's beyond the scope of this episode. Well, it's it, the scope of the episode. We really don't know what this this whole show is about. So just just mention it quickly. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was better than the Walk of Shame um, because the Walk of Shame I thought was so over the top. It was is silly. But but the, it's kind of what happens in the books as well. And like, yeah. I feel like. When she breaks and she like uh, wants to confess or whatever, I feel like she's still like thinking, "Oh, this is no big deal. I'll just, you know, I'll I'll confess and then you know, I'll just go back and then I'll I'll be fine. I'll take these people out later." But like the walk of shame really like hits her to her core. Like she believes. She, I don't know. She just, uh, I think it hit her. It affected her. Now, from a viewer standpoint, you, I understand why you would find this more rewarding uh, as far as watching her degraded as opposed to um, her walk of shame. But I feel like the walk of shame to her as a character was worse. I could see that. Did you know, supposedly, they had some other lady walk that yeah, entire and they thing? Yeah, her head, right? What the heck is that? How do that you is do great. that? I watched that again. Of course, I'm going to watch... Uh, Sure, yeah, and your pants may or may not have been down. <laughs> and I might have had uh, some orange fingers from Cheetos, and that orange might have, uh, you know, gotten to other places on my body. But that's, this is starting to get become a true story. It sounds like this the kind just, of details no, this, indicates it's not false. No, this is just possibility. This is like somebody else. Yeah. All right, but uh, sure. But but yeah, I I heard that too, and I went back and I paid attention. I couldn't tell the difference between the body double, like with with. Uh, Lena Headey's head on it. I was just like, wow, that's pretty impressive. You think it was CGI? Yeah, it had to be. C- it had to be. <laughs> of course, it had to be. <laughs> it had to be NCIS. Yeah, NCIS. Enhance. 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 Uh, so, anyways, um, where next? Slurping water off the floor. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the next scene was uh, Sam and Gilly. Yep. Post coital. Let, let me tell you something. <laughs> Sam and Gilly sounds like a Thursday must see TV. No, yeah. 
Was that what the yeah Thursday must see TV? It was Friday TV show. It's the adventures of a feral incest girl and a fat coward and their dumb baby, <laughs> and it airs Thursdays at nine thirty after Seinfeld, <laughs> and I would love to watch that because that shit was. Te- <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but like every Sam and Gilly ep- as, as, like series, I just can't stand. And maybe it's just Sam. Gilly, we need more bacon. The baby's hungry. Yeah, the baby's it? hungry. <laughs> what do you think about that baby? Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I've never, I've never been a fan of the Sam and Gilly storyline. Um, I think it's just it's one of these. Uh, I think it's one of these. Uh, he just uh, George wanted to write the most awkward um, first love story. Kind of like delve into that uh, part of we all had. I mean, you know, Brian, we've all had that awkward first girlfriend thing. Uh, and it's just been no, you know, you go to kiss her and you just smack braces together, uh, and it's just weird and awkward and you're just naive children. And I think that's kind of what he was going for with this romance is trying to invoke that in all of us, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I said the, the character of Sam is so far beyond the pale where the guy is like actively trying to be a coward. I, I mean, going back to like day one of Sam. He's right. never. I mean, he knows what it takes to exist in that world, but like, like when he shows up at Night's Watch, he won't even swing a sword because he's too much of a coward to swing a sword. Yeah, that being like, said, though, he did get very viciously abused by his father and told he would kill him if if he didn't take the black. So that like, I don't know. A, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's I I feel bad for him uh, for sure. I mean, I don't know how you can't feel bad for Sam. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it's like the difference between being ignorant and willfully ignorant. It doesn't seem like he's trying to um, even stand up for himself in the slightest bit. I mean, I think he's trying to be a coward and I don't understand. No, I, that. I, I don't think so. I feel like his strength is for other people, uh, just like kind of like Sam in uh, Lord of the Rings, which I'm sure is what Samuel is an allusion to. Uh, he didn't do anything brave for himself. He did everything brave for Frodo, so he was kind of like that. Sam's mo is like he's not willing to be brave for himself or stand up for himself, but he's willing to like he killed a White Walker to defend uh, Gilly and the baby, um, mm-hmm. and he fought obviously those two, uh, well, the would be rapists in the uh, uh, Night's Watch last week, which of course Ghost never left John's side. That right. that whole thing that's all made up. But anyways. Oh, what I wrote about the scene. Uh, Ollie comes in. They're talking, uh, and Ollie comes in and says, "Hey, I figured you were hungry." <laughs> yeah, because you're fat. <laughs> what the fuck? I wrote down Ollie what comes in. And, I wrote down Ollie comes in and cries about his dead parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I said that Sam tells him to sack up. <laughs> yeah, that, what what was striking about that scene? Is the uh, you know Ali raises legitimate concerns? I mean, he saw the Thens come in. Right. And the Thens told him, "I'm going to eat your dead parents. Go <laughs> yeah. tell these people." Right. And now Jon Snow. I mean, he's a kid, and Jon Snow's turning around and going, "Well, I'm going to go see if the Thens want to come live <laughs> yeah. with us." Yeah. After they just murder their entire village. I mean, in the most brutal way right. possible. And then so then, dumbass Sam's response to him is uh, something along the lines of. I've been worrying about John my for my entire life. <laughs> he always comes back alive. 
What and the fuck Ollie's does like, care about uh, that shit? I don't think you heard what I said. Yeah, the kid Ollie's worried about these lunatic murderers who are gonna yeah. he ate his family. It's just saying, Don't worry, John Snow will come back alive. And just like, crazy yeah. as this. Exactly. And just like you think Gilly feels safe around those guys excuse me, that attacked her? Hell no. And Ollie's not gonna feel safe around a bunch of fucking thins. Ali should feel multiple orders of magnitude more threatened by right. the Thens Absolutely. than Gilly because the Thens are eating his parents. Yeah. They might have, they, for all he knows, they could still have some like jerky from his parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ham- hamburger. That's how the hamburger was made is they actually rode with meat underneath the saddles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody knows that, Doug. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the Huns, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't be preserved that long, you wouldn't think. Now, yeah, if they, they had, just want to make it all gross. If they had some Ollie family jerky, it might still be edible. But okay. then again, we don't know about the Thens biological or digestive systems. Yeah, they're probably. Like I goats. would imagine it'd be pretty hard. Yeah, like a like a dog, you know, where a dog could eat anything. I did put in that. Yeah, I did want to point out that Sam's was like, "Yeah, they killed your parents," but Sam's like, "I hate my fucking dad, so it's no big deal." Somebody killed, yeah. somebody killed your parents. Lucky you. It was the uh, was the coitus this the prior episode or the yes, following? Yes, it was the prior episode. Oh, uh, so yeah, this is what spurns uh, Sam to want to get Lil uh, uh, Gilly Gilly out of there. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the book, it's all John saying, "We need, you know, we need a maester. Get Gilly, get out of here because her son is really the son of Mance Raider." Or they oh baby yeah, because there's this whole thing they are they're ignoring in the show. So yeah, and then they wanted to get uh, the was that Eamon? right? And Eamon needed to get out of there. And once again, the show they want to try just, to bring him back to life. I mean that 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 whole thing was a complete divergence, right? I mean, but I, again, again, I wondered like yeah. if if some of these things are George R. R. Martin has told them things are going to happen, so they're trying to compress it. And they cut out things that are just not uh, absolutely necessary. because let's face it, George R. R. Martin wrote like over a thousand characters, and you know you have to sacrifice something. And I I hate defending these guys, uh, but I'm going to in at least that respect. Yeah, and the story the the transportation of Eamon in the books kind of went nowhere. It was pretty stupid. Well, they, the they're begging thing- around, and <laughs> so here's the thing: is I've I've um, you know, because I'm a fucking loser and I've researched this stuff way too much. I've heard a no lot of question about that. Yeah, no <laughs> argument that on promise now. But uh, the theory is that uh, Eamon's body, for some reason, they couldn't bury or burn him at sea because he's a Targaryen. So the people on the ship uh, said they'd uh, preserve him in rum. And it turns out that uh, Sam meets somebody called Marwin the Mage. Um, Who's uh, happened? He's a maester in Old Town, uh, but he's into magic too. So he somehow wants to go meet Daenerys, and he's just like, "There's a ship waiting. It's called the um, the whatever wind, the cinnamon wind, and it's the same ship that brought Gilly and Sam to Old Town, and presumably still has Master Aemon's body, which could somehow be used for some kind of blood magic because it has King's blood in it. That is a awful divergence, and we'll try to avoid those in the future." <laughs> Wait, so it, did that actually happen in the book? Yeah, that's well, that's the thing. is What actually happened was they preserved uh, Eamon's body in a cask of rum because oh. they couldn't burn him on the ship. And what happened in the book also factually is that 
Marwin, the guy who Sam spills his guts to about what's going on, says he's going to go to Daenerys and he's going to take the Cinnamon Wind. So there's some thought there that um, there's collusion or they're going to take Aemon's body and it's going to be performed some kind of blood magic. Uh, but well, I guess neither here nor here. Th- there, yeah, that's that's, that's not possible in the, in the series. <laughs> right, at this and, point, and obviously, yeah, and that's the thing is you'll after these things happen, you question, well, that's not happening in the book, so that person obviously is not of any consequence. When I read those chapters, I'm going to be doing it kind of like half uninterested because I'm, well, is this guy going to die? If he doesn't die, he's at least going to be inconsequential to the plot if he's already dead in the show. Yeah, I, I, when I read the books, I read them all, but I skimmed so much. I mean, right. I just, I, you know, I, these details, or at least didn't retain these details that you're That's, that's fine. And once again, you should. Yeah. I've, I've, I've read the book several times, uh, at least twice, not three times. But what I've done is, um, and this is a quick advertise. We don't have advertisers on the show, but I, I'm going to advertise. Whoa, what about MeUndies? They're me made undies. with Modal fabric, the most comfortable fabric in the world. Right now. <laughs> Do you remember, uh, what was it, Bonobos? Go to Bonobos. It was also a very popular podcast advertiser. Yeah, you can pay way too goddamn much for pants. Yeah, well, yeah. what are you going to do, buy pants at you know, anywhere? But, uh, but really quick, if I'm going to give a... Um, what was I talking about, Brian? Uh, Modal. Oh, I'm going to do an advertisement for uh, the OverDrive application. So the OverDrive application on your Android or iPhone will let you check out <laughs> library books from your local library. This is not authorized. Phone. I'm not on board. I'm not subscribed. What? <laughs> so what I do is uh, on the OverDrive app, I'll just download. I'll check out audiobooks for the uh, A Song of Ice and Fire series and just listen to them while I fall asleep or if I'm on a a long drive. So I've, wow, Dave, this sounds very convenient. It is, this is very convenient. And guess how much it costs? Just your how tax much, dollars Dave? you're already paying right now. Thanks, mm-hmm. Obama. How much? It's free. What? Yeah, I know. Too good to be true, right? What? So yeah, how are, just, they, uh, how are they paying the, us all this money to to promote know. them then? I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I think okay. it's probably bad. Bad idea to give stuff for free. I might cut all this out. Yeah. Let's get back to me. All right. So, uh, so the moment we've all been waiting for hard home, uh, basically, and I'll agree with, uh, Brian here. Uh, one of the better action sequences I've seen on any TV show for sure. Uh, and better than most movies. Um, so how does it start? So we see Tormund show up with Jon Snow and where I guess all of these different wildland tribes are supposed to be gathered together. And we don't really know why they're all supposed to be gathered together there. And I guess uh, from uh, um, from a larger view, supposedly this is a, an amalgamation of four different scenes from the books. I don't. I, I've listened to the book. I have no idea what the four scenes would be. All I know is that uh, Hardhome it's, it's happens. All these, it's all of these Wikipedia. Com- all, right, all right. Well, if you're not going to read Wikipedia word for word, let's just. Well, the only thing be stupid. I know about is Hardhome happens off off camera. John sends like the the head guy at uh, East Watch by the Sea, basically the people, the branch of the Night's Watch that is in a castle near the sea with a bunch of boats to go get um, the refugees. We live in a castle by the sea. <laughs> Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, so are uh, we starting this over again? No, <laughs> we can't. We're going to go. We're going to keep going. Uh, John, Sm- uh, John Smith uh, <laughs> sees a bunch of tablets. No, we're starting this over again. <laughs> <laughs> so this last scene, 
Yeah. Doug, I think it's my favorite scene of the series so far. It was the scene at Hard Home. And so what we have initially is they have that amazing shot of the geography of the of Hard Home. Yeah. And I, 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 as the episode progressed, I didn't really know what to no, make of it. No, I put that in my notes. I was just like, I have no idea where the gate is or the wall that they build in relation to What's the to point the of that boats? stupid gate? I mean, because yeah. if the gate's there... It's just like, and I, this has not been a thing that's been addressed within the books or the series. If you have this giant wall, how far does that go out into the ocean? Why can't somebody get a boat or even get some waders and walk right. around the side of this wall? And that's what I was wondering. I was like, well, and then why would you, if you were building a fence, you wouldn't build it into the ocean. That's just weird. And then leave, yeah, let me just go wade in the water a couple of feet and then come around. It just it doesn't so, make a lot of sense. But I, well, I what I'm guessing that. is that that was a... Is, a, a an established settlement. And then there's all these different right. wildlings meeting there for yep. the purposes of this thing. They're all camped outside the gates, Yep. but still the gates are stupid as shit because, right. but I guess if the gates are designed to prevent wild animals from entering. Yeah. Or maybe smaller bands of wild wing, wild wings yeah. that they're fighting with. And going forward, they're going to call the wildlings wild wings until yes. somebody corrects me. I, I don't mind that whatsoever. Okay. So, uh, Jon Snow and Tormund, roll up there and they run into the Lord of Bones and Lord of Bones. I've read different things about what his role supposedly supposed to be at the time. One thing I've read is that he was kind of took over for Mance Raider, but I don't know that that's the case based on the fact that he was just a leader of one of the clans. Yeah. And, and, you know, when Torrent gets there, he says, let's get all of the elders together, which, which Lord of Bones is one of those people. That's fine. But Lord of Bones, to me, he seems like a joke. I, I don't he know. He's, a, he's an absolute yeah. joke in the show. In the in the book, he's more like pathetic. He's more mm-hmm. like a, a wiener. Uh, and he's actually, I, I realize what he does in the books. He gets burned alive. They swap out, uh, Melisandre swaps out um, uh, Mance Raider for the Lord of Bones. And the Lord of Bones is the one that Stannis is burns alive. Uh, oh. John shoots wow. with an arrow. So, yeah. yeah, you probably, it's been probably a while since you read Dance of Dragons, but that's what happened. So Lord yeah. of Bones isn't even around. But still, I think it was just like this tongue-in-cheek thing where they wanted to put the Lord of Bones in there again, and then they quickly dispatch him when uh, Tormund bashes his brains in. When they're like, we're just here to talk. And Tormund, <laughs> and Lord of Bones is a terrible leader. The only thing he has going for him is he has the coolest outfit. Right. I mean, it's like if, if a... His outfit game is on point. gang was based on... Who had the freshest kicks or something? Like he doesn't seem to have any leadership abilities. No. As soon as a real, like a real actual guy who could, he was there to just put your your rational opposition to bed because he's just like, wait a minute, why did you join our enemies? And and once again, they're like, we're just here to talk. We just want to talk. Yeah. And Tormund, instead of talking, bashes his brains in to quell any kind of uh, uh, resistance, and it's just dumb. Well, I don't think it was. I, I mean, it was silly, but I do think it was. It was meant to impress the gravity of the situation, and that that Tormund would turn around and kill a, another faction leader, just straight up because this is how important this thing is. Right, and I and, guess you know. it's. It, and, it, and once again, I understand the function of it to show Tormund yeah. as being, uh, you know. He's that he's revered by these people as well, and you see that later in the show where they're like, "Well, if Tormund says it's okay, we're gonna go with Tormund." Uh, yeah. So he's obviously well known, but at the same time, you gotta hate your boss if you're like if you're employed by the Lord of Bones. If he's like your your boss, 
Uh, Nobody stepped in. Nobody steps in. <laughs> so like, so this oh, is why I, I was, like, was a dick. I was like, uh, to me, I, like I, I and, and granted, this is not a proper analogy whatsoever. But imagine if like Mitch McConnell bashed <laughs> bashed Barack Obama. Do you think Mitch McConnell would be able to call the cabinet tomorrow to figure out what would be would be the next step? It's just, I'm not even it was weird. That. Yeah. Nobody, nobody from the Lord of Bones, whatever clan he right. was part of, nobody stepped up and said, hey, that's not cool, bro. And once There's again, no, the Lord no of Bones fall. did nothing but, but, but proposition reasonable, like, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he was completely arguments. reasonable. That What he said... He, yeah, that was it. Oh, he's your ally? Do you suck his dick? I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, that's completely reasonable because why would any wildling ever think that that this Jon Snow was their friend now? That, right. eh, that makes no sense. It does make no sense. But no. here's the thing: is they just needed to move past it, so they gave us this little scene. We're gonna move past it, but then they move on but, to yeah. okay, okay. Go ahead. Whatever. Last. No, and I, I and again, this one of the things I keep thinking about is. The, the showrunners of, of all the they've created the worst scenes out of the, the Game of Thrones right. stuff, but they've also created. I think this is the best scene out of right. Game of Thrones. And we'll get to we'll get to this best scene. Okay, um, but uh, we have to get a little bit out of the way. So they go into yeah. the the tent or the meeting hall, the hut. Yeah, and there this scene just goes on forever. So this is my uh, nomination for the boar Atheon moment of the week because um, I was just bored out of my mind, even more so than the. Um, then the uh, Arya um, lesson that she she got. They're just mm-hmm. talking about, mm, you should join me. No, I don't want to. No, you should join me. It just goes back and forth. And I then, disagree. I ooh, disagree. Ooh. Because I, listen, I don't think, uh, first of all, when they're in there, but <laughs> let me back up. The first thing that I thought was completely stupid was the way that they announced Mance Raider's death. They they said yeah. that Mance Raider's I dead. Shot him in the How did that happen? Heart. I put an arrow through his heart. It, it, but but he didn't like. I mean, if they just let in with that, then what the implication is that he just murdered Mance Raider instead? Right. So this John's king stands for so no John control over a, whatsoever. But John's going to kill him. John said it. So John's an idiot for saying that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, but then there's also that lady that's in there that oh, gets uh, killed. I called her the strong female character of little consequence. She is the funniest character in the show. Within 15 minutes, she said, um, she said, she said, good luck with that. Then she said, I, I, and I believe she said, what up, girl? Yeah. I fucking hate then. She also said that. Right. And then she, <laughs> she, she, that lady was funny. And then she also fast forward got destroyed by those kids yeah. which was creepy as shit and i want to say that she when I, I knew watching it the first time she yeah. goes all right kids get on the boat i'm right behind you i was like well that means you're gonna fucking Uh-oh. die kid <laughs> oh, no God. and kids specifically gonna murder you yeah and uh yeah. i'll get to that in a moment but uh so is there she also had the line she also had the line my grandfather never would have aligned with a crow. Yeah, yeah. No, but fuck them, they're listen, dead. Listen, I, I'll get real and say she's a good actor. Uh, yeah. She was in Pitch Perfect 2 as like part of the German uh, acapella team that was like way too good to be defeated. And she was good in that too. Uh, but like I was upset. I was just like, I wish she could have been a real character that would have persisted over weeks. But I knew she was just 
uh, there for like, uh, you know, she's just there for, I don't know, she's just fodder for the scene. My larger concern is that you're watching Pitch Perfect 2. It's it's not as good, admittedly, but some of those acapella scenes are, mmm, they're, they're, they're great. All right. So is, is Glee not satiating that need that you have? No, I, I hate Glee. I don't okay. get into that. Yeah, we'll get into we'll that. We'll get into that on the Glee recap show. Yeah, I can't wait. Save all it right. for the Glee riff. All <laughs> right, so so John hands out Dragon Glass, goes, look, hey, and, and you think the Dragon Glass is going to come up at all, and it's only there as a MacGuffin to get them to go back into the hut later, which we'll get to. Uh, but there's an overly dramatic uh, music swell as John gives a speech about, you know, you can live free in the land south of the wall. Just promise me that when the uh, others attack, and we will be able to call upon you. That's, that's I dis- I disagree with you. I oh. thought that was a good speech. Oh Jesus! All right. I mean, listen, listen it's over dramatic. It's over dramatic. And uh, is that not the show though? Is that not any Mellow show drama? Uh, I guess. But it, I mean, is that not like a well like it? He's presenting them a real reason for why they should do this. Right. It. I guess I don't know. It's fine. It's I mean, fine. let's move on. I, I mean, it's okay. I didn't like it, uh, but I'm willing to. Uh, it didn't. It just bored me. It didn't do. It didn't do anything to put me off. It just kind of bored me. I don't think that you're buying into what he was there to sell. No, I, I, I am there to buy into what they were. He was there to sell. What I don't buy is the what was voiced by the Lord of Bones and then reiterated by the Thens later when they said that there, that's your fucking enemy. That'll but then we, we know that, so, but we also know by that lady, Thens are fucking assholes. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, so it all makes sense from, uh, you know... And Thens are the only people that script, are... Thens uh, are the only ones that are eating people. Idiot's Guide to Script Writing 101. Yeah, okay. You, you know what? Fair enough. Because that, yeah, that, 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 there's no way that nobody, any single person could have written that line. But then again, I don't know what the line could have been that was yeah, better yeah. And once again, based on the circumstances. That's why I'm willing to forgive it. It's not, it's not by far the worst part of this episode, but let's keep going. But, uh, there you go. All right, so, so Tormund is really the reason that they come over. So bringing Tormund was key because they're yes. like, well, if Tormund says it's okay, I, I trust Tormund. I don't trust any crows. And they call him King Crow, which I like that nickname. Uh, and then the, the Thens, which are the really bad Wild Wings, they're the wild wings that'll eat your mom and dad. They said, go fuck yourself, and mm-hmm. that's fine. So a lot of people start to leave. They get on the boats. They accept this idea. And, uh, yes, the strong female character of Little Consequence says, I'm right behind you, honey. Just get on the boats. Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> uh, I got to help the old people. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, fuck the old people. And then Pippin <laughs> and the giant, or Pip... Uh, they have this moment where the giant says, what the fuck are you looking at? Which is kind of, right. I found that humorous. I was just like, they got a chuckle out of me. Give respect where respect is due. His nickname is Wan Wan. Wan Wan. Okay, so Wan Wan, he's, he's a badass and you know he's a badass. All right. So, oh, you know that. So, but but that, that raised the question of where are the rest of the giants? Uh, there, there's very little of them. We saw, what, two of them attack the wall, I think? I think that in the books, though, like there are, not, I don't know, you know, that obviously... Was, they're on the endangered species list, but I think <laughs> there's a, and then also if you if you know your Games of Thrones, his full name is One Wag One Dar One. <laughs> I know you looked that up on Wikipedia or something. I'm looking at it right now. Look at <laughs> the picture. Are a this piece guy. Of shit. This guy is scary as shit. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is, I liked. Uh, all right, so uh, props. I want more Giants. Props where props is due. The Giants look fucking awesome. I love everything about the yeah. Giant in this in this episode and the Giant that attacked the wall. Uh, yes, I think if they could put more Giants uh, in the show, that'd be great. Uh, but I understand. Didn't, yeah. in the, didn't in the book they have like a, a lot more Giants? They did, but they didn't come south of the wall. The only one that comes south of the wall is Juan Juan. Um, mm-hmm. And that factors into John's uh, eventual death. The giant and Pippin share a moment, and they are the first to hear the dogs bark, and they're like, wait a minute, dogs don't bark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then there's thunderclaps, and you cut to people outside, and they're like, oh, this, there's never supposed to be thunder. And But then you see mist pouring over like the mountains and the hills in the background, and everybody's like, fuck, we need to get out of here. This isn't good. Um Close the gates. Close the gates. The then the asshole says, "Close the gates," and uh, only like a handful of people get inside. And there were a shitload of people on the other side of that gate. Uh, and they all start rushing the gate, and then they're silent. And there's a so uh, Dave. This, this is what 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 raised what questions that this scene raised to me was there were uh, from my understanding is there were supposed to be like a hundred thousand wildlings. There was at a least. fuckload of wildling wild wings and. A lot of them were on the other side of that gate. Yeah, so what they said is at some point, somebody said to Jon Snow, only about 5,000 are going with us. And, I mean, I think in the books there were like upwards of 100,000 wildlings. There was, there so, was a lot that made it through, but once again, the, the wild uh, wings that Jon lets through the wall uh, happened close to the wall. They didn't, no. there wasn't this whole hard home thing, but uh, this is obviously condensed. Um, yeah, so I wonder how many wild wild wings died out there on the other side of the gate. How many got on the ships? Like, what are the actual numbers involved? All right, uh, it's just no clue. I mean, we have no idea, clue. but I guess we're led to believe that an overwhelming number of them died. Um, yeah, and a small portion of them. And once again, it seems like yeah, you're right. It's such a small portion. There were a lot of if you see like the CGI uh, ships that are in the background. Seems like the Night's Watch brought a lot of fucking ships with them. Mm-hmm. So they have the potential to bring a lot of uh people. And there's this argument that the uh you know, the wildlings will actually be of consequence when they defend the wall or yeah. do whatever they're gonna do next. So there's gotta be a decent amount of them that did get saved. Regardless, the book isn't or the show isn't concerned with these details at this moment, I think. Um so because the show looks like ninety percent have got wiped out. Yeah, right. E- easily. Right. But depending on how many numbers, I mean, there were still, it looked like tens of tens of thousands, maybe, in oh. that, that space. I don't know. I guess. But go ahead. But okay, so so the mist falls, and the people on the other side of the fence go silent. So mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, obviously, it, it's great for dramatic effect, but what happened to those people? Did the fog kill them? Did they all get killed silently by uh, zombies? We just don't know. All we know is that there's a lot of silence. Somebody looks through a hole in the wall, and in typical horror movie fashion, uh, you know, something runs up to the hole and scares them. And it, what do you know? It's a walking skeleton, and it's attacking the fence. And there's a lot of skeletons, and they're rubbing on the uh, fence. Are you saying skeleton? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Hazen Sean. <laughs> so, so yeah. So there's a lot of skeletons attacking the fence, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get over the fence. And uh, the zombies are, if I had to describe my, the zombies, and I will say I enjoyed this scene. <laughs> this is the caveat. Hey, well, they're not zombies. 
Uh, they're whites. They're whites. Yes. So, uh, so the zombies, the particular kind of whites or zombies are more of the rage virus type of zombies that you know from 28 Days Later in the Brad Pitt movie. Um, <laughs> lots of people going to kill me. Doug, this is going off the rails. What has gone off the rails, the show? You're talking about zombies. No, these that's are, what these are. They're whites. What's the difference? All right, all right. So, all right, so uh, Brian is conjecturing that the whites are not zombies. What's the difference here? Ryan, what's the, what's the question? What is the difference between a white and a zombie, and why do you feel the need to? The only the only distinction I can make is that zombies are maybe autonomous, whereas the whites are under the control of the others or white walkers in the uh, show. Well, Doug. Take your time. Game of Thrones Wikipedia refers to them as whites. Okay, thank you. I think that I, I, I guess I uh, give me your personal uh, take. We are not experts, by the way. I should no, 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 no. And I don't mean to be uh, like uh, pedantic about it. I, I guess um, what, what to me, there's a difference, but I can't tell you what the difference is. I think the difference is is a a white. If you watch the show, like a white can be just bones. Whereas a zombie will fail if it doesn't have muscles or can continue to go. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, a little bit, but we're all talking about zombies and magic, so it really doesn't make any sense when you think about it. But uh, yeah, you no, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're but right, you're I, right. I will give you that. Uh, my thing about what what makes zombies scary in the way that's described in the books too is that they're unrelenting. The zombies in this scene uh, react when they get shot by arrows. They fling their heads back. They uh, when they get hit by other people, they they like react like they're being hit. Uh, now, obviously, those. So are that's that, yeah. You know what? That's what I think of. Is like I, I think if zombies can be killed, the whites can't be killed. Whites just keep going no matter right, what. But, the that, situation. but that's not the way they're per, per, uh, portrayed in the show, which is what yeah. my point is. So that's gotcha. my that's my little bugaboo that's gonna uh, go out through this. Um, but but so the rage virus people are killing everybody. And John Torman and uh, the strong female character meet by the boats and say, hey, if they get through that wall, Torman actually says, hey, if they get through that wall, we're, everybody's dead. So yeah. this, for some reason, convinces John to take action. So and John says, knights, knights on me. Knights watch on me. Right. Knights watch to me. Yeah. And it's a yeah. really rallying point. But really, he doesn't have too much agency because it's just like Torman going, somebody's got to do something. Like, well, if you they have like that, they have a they have a really cool shot where they follow John and yeah. he kills he kills like four right. whites. That is somehow. a great shot. That's a great yeah. And then the shot man. transitions to um, that one one just smashing everything coming out of the right. coming out of the I wrote, uh, I wrote the hut. One one is slightly annoyed by these whites. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to say that I did like about the rage zombies is they they punch a hole in the fence or the wall and mm-hmm. they fill it almost in a mechanical nature. Like a zombie comes through and runs, a zombie comes through and runs and it's, it's done in such a syncopated fashion, like on a rhythmic fashion that it almost looks yeah. like an assembly line. And that kind of got to me. I was just like, wow, that, that has an overwhelming feeling of being unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, so they try to plug this hole. They're shooting arrows at John while he's holding up a zombie against this, uh, this wall. Then Tormund brings a, 
like some kind of chair or table and they plug the hole and it's probably uh, a chair. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably, it's a probably a, a, a yeah. uh, some kind of um, maybe a stool, maybe an ottoman. Lazy boy, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what was that thing. I don't know what that thing it doesn't was. matter. Some yeah. something that they could plug the hole with, and they do. Um, then, uh, <laughs> then this is one of my things. For, this is one of my criticisms. It's a movie trope where uh, John goes, "We have to go back to the hut, the dragon glass," and the thin goes. I'm your Huckleberry, and for some reason, even though the Then was like, "Yes, I hate you," but he's yes. like, "I'll join you in this endeavor. You've earned my respect." I, I just think that's like a dumb movie trope, and I didn't like it. I wrote, why did they do that? Why didn't I don't they have any anybody else? Because it? because I, I mean, I guess shows, because he had to die. It, he, I guess he had to die, but I think it was more to show that the the others and the White Walkers or whatever <laughs> they are, and all their zombies are such a threat that even the Thens are like, well, it, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It, it united them in that one moment. But at the same time, that's fucking dumb, and I've seen it a million times. It would have been better if he still had hate, and he said, come on, let's go get that dragon glass, and he tried to kill John, and John had to get in a fight with him and kill him. I think that would be so much better, but obviously they have to, you know, have this whole fight scene and, and get it done. But I just thought that was... I it was silly. It was, it was silly. silly. Yeah. So, so they go into the hut looking for dragon glass, and wouldn't you know it, a thin Santa Claus comes out of the fire, and uh, it's another, and he kills the thin laughably quick, but not before the thin has a very cliche self-sacrificing self-sacrificing moment, and he says, "Get the dragon glass. I'll take care of this guy." <laughs> And it's so fucking cliche because it's this meaningless self-sacrifice. It's so meaningless. I didn't feel anything for the guy. He got killed. Um, and he may he may as well have said the worst Tom Hanks line in the history of Tom Hanks lines. What's that? From Saving Private Ryan. Make this count. <laughs> Avoid the you clap. Make Avoid. this count. Avoid the clap. Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> a league of their own yeah yeah no that's that's probably the second best Tom Hanks line alright so uh yeah so, <laughs> so the very thin Nordic guy with long hair but you know what to, to back up yeah you know the thins they all got the clap yeah they all got it no question yeah they get you know that shit's passed you did, you did. on uh, through uh, foot and mouth disease and when they're eating feet oh, oh they're eating everything <laughs> they're eating it all, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're getting down. All right, so uh, Santa Claus <laughs> then turns his attention to John and kicks his ass but doesn't do it lethally, so he, like, smacks him around and hits him with the butt of his spear instead of, uh, you know, running him through. And, um, oh, yeah, and by the way, the the thing, the conceit is that the uh, other wheeling his uh, magic sphere, sp- spear... The other wielding his magic spear um, shatters the weapons of lesser mortal men in two, and and they not in two into like a million pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that with the then he does that with John's sword. Initially, he picked up some random sword, uh, and then they go outside, and he finds the long claw. He blocks a spear thrust, and they're both shocked, and then John just runs him through and he turns into a bunch of pieces of ice. Well, it wasn't a spear thrust. 
Uh, it was a slash? it was a sword. No, it was a sword. I believe. Okay. But yeah, I think uh, one of the things is that it's it's become it was it's been alluded to in the books, but it's pretty clear in the uh, TV show is that Valerian Steel somehow stands up to um, the others. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing yeah. that that with you. I, I agree with it 100. percent But I wrote down oh, okay. magic swords save the day, <clears throat> and as oh, we yeah. know that Brian loves magic swords. Oh yes, I've been a fan from Magic Swords back in the day. Okay, but then after that, the, I thought the, the I mean, one of the cooler things was then you during that scene you see the four White Walkers up on yeah, the that ridge. was a great shot. You see yeah. them up on the ridge, and then you see it from their point of view at one point, maybe later on in the battle. Yeah, uh, but that was good because they were like generals, and they were they were um, you know positioning their troops, which makes you ask why was that one uh, other White Walker down in there to begin with why would they even risk oh yeah maybe. you know he was so close to retirement <laughs> and then they busted him down to sergeant and then he's down there and he didn't even want to be there i right. mean he was too old for that shit but you know that would happen sometimes yeah the boss was you like see, you see lethal weapon yeah so i i don't know that we they have identified the four that were up there they have if that, only identified uh we, we've just known uh Random white walkers, except for the Knights King, is what yeah. we're calling them. So, but I wonder if they represent the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, I'm sure that's probably what they were going for. But yeah. there's, there's more than that many others. Those might be like the head honchos, but I doubt this show's gonna, or even the books are gonna take the time to tell us who those guys are. Yeah. So that and this what, what this show represent really raised to be is how little that we know about what the others want. Yeah, we have no idea. No, and I don't think until this episode we realized how much of a threat that they are. Right. I mean, there's really has been no nothing, and even prior to the attack on Hardhome, um, everybody there seemed to realize how big of a deal the the others were, which is kind of strange to me because the, uh, we haven't seen anything that would indicate that the others are that big of a threat to the kingdom. Yeah, and, that, and I will say that's a deficit in the book. Um, yeah. We see, uh, I can't remember, the. you know, we hear about Hard Home devastating a uh, whole bunch of wildlings, but we don't see it, so the reader right. isn't impressed upon how fucking uh, big of a threat uh, these guys are. It's kind of like we're still concerned about, you know, uh, Jamie and Cersei and all this other nonsense. We're not really that concerned with the others, uh, which we the, should be, the, but... Yeah, this episode makes it looks like every single person in the, the rest of the world needs to unite against this threat. Right. If it's even possible to, but in the uh, other than this, there's no like indication that <sighs> it is a threat. And then Jon Snow is, seems to be preemptively organizing against this threat when he should have no clue about how bad the threat actually is. You know. Well, he... it's, not like a, it's not like a White Walker is coming to 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 the wall and just knocking. You know, trying to come in or something. Right. I will say that what I liked about in the book, which they didn't have in the show, which was an amazing like turn of events, was that uh, Jora or Jora's dad, Eeyore or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to call him Eeyore Mormit. Uh, Eeyore. <laughs> he sent Alistair Thorne 
to King's Landing with a reanimated hand to show the king and say, listen, there's fucking mm-hmm. dead bodies up here. Send us resources. Send us troops, money. Yeah. We need to fight this. And because Tyrion was in power at that moment and he had met Alistair Thorne at the mall, wall and Alistair Thorne was a dick to him, he's just like, fuck this guy. Keep him waiting. And he keeps him waiting there for three weeks until the hand just dissolves into nothing. I think yeah. It's amazing. It's just like one of these things where... It's just a little fable. Don't be a dick to people because you never know when um, you might have to convince them that the world's going to end. Yeah. So then we, at the end of this episode, we see probably the most striking scene of the entire series where the Night's King just does a come at me, bro. (laughs) And then every single person rises and they're ready to go. Right. Uh, And it's just like... Uh, it ends in silence again. You know, it's a big deal, I guess, when the show ends in silence and they don't cut to uh, some kind of music to just say, in case you didn't realize it, this was very important. I, I think the lack of music was perfect. I agree. Episode. I mean, it, it, yeah. did, it did the trick, but um, they've done it before um, and it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it just shows, you, you said it, it shows how serious of a threat the White Walkers are to every living man, woman, and child uh, anywhere. In the, at least in Westeros. We don't know if they can, you know, swim and get to... Yeah. We, uh, we, don't, we have no like, idea what the... a Marine, she'll be fine. We have no idea what the threat is. Can they Can they actually go over to, like, a, over to the warm weather climate? I don't know. Will uh, they we melt? We have no idea. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll find out. But uh, obviously, if we... Let's go into theory time. This is a section I call... Theory time. What's um, the time? Theory time. Theory time. Uh, so it's theory time. I I see the White Walkers uh, or the others, whatever you want to call them, uh, getting past the wall somehow because they have to go from being a potential threat to the rest of the Seven Kingdoms to an actual threat. And I don't think that's going to happen unless they can get past the wall. Uh, do you agree or disagree? I agree. What I what I envision is. Um, that Danny Daenerys. Oh, now you got me calling her Danny. I don't care for that. You can call her uh, Eries. Uh, hair lady. Um, <laughs> and I imagine they bring back Viserys, and he's going to be super cool. Uh, no, I think that at some what the, what's going to happen is that we're going to see Daenerys come over and try to take back the kingdoms at a point where everybody is in play. And they're all going to be in the middle of like a, this huge fight. You're never going to know exactly where it's going to go. And then the others are going to come in and force all of these different parties to unite to fight the others. I'll agree with that wholeheartedly, but I think the yeah. fun is going to be who is left standing. I mean, uh, I don't think Roos is going to get to that point. I don't think Roos is going to go, you know no. what? I don't like skinning people anymore. I realize that. Everybody is worth something, and I have to team up with these guys. Take—I don't think well, that's going to happen. So, I think, have you have you seen the the in the uh, have you seen the theory that in the trailer for the next season, uh, Roos has been has been flayed by Ramsey? Oh, that I've heard the theory. Uh, that would not surprise me because we know that all bastards are born in sin, and that's just in their nature. So, uh, that'd be great. Plus, Ramsey seems to be a dumbass, uh, or not? No, uh, quite the opposite. Ramsey so he's, to be, he's threatened by this uh, brother to be, 
And I, I watched this. I, somebody broke down the two minutes. Oh, trailer. so you've been watching videos? And have it's you? been into like forty-five minutes. Yeah, it, yeah. And they, they, their theory was that the only person that could fit on the flayed man that they show would be Ram or Roos, and they didn't show the other one because it'd be a big fat lady who would, who's his wife. Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, so yeah, because he also sounds theories, like a crazy it, person. It makes yeah. a lot of sense because. Uh, Ramsey's already been legitimized. Uh, yeah. So you don't, and there's there's been a feeling that um, uh, Roos, if he has another kid, he might get rid of Ramsey because he's done with him and he doesn't want him to inherit. If he, he has a kid. Legitimate even, kid. Even right. though Ramsey is ostensibly at this point the greatest military strategist <laughs> of ever time, existed. yeah. He yeah. makes Stannis look like a fucking He fool. destroyed Stannis's army with just 20 good men, not right. even 20 exceptional men. Yeah. Just, just yeah. good. Yeah. Hey, um, can these guys uh, polish your shoes? All right, let's do it. My favorite theory, and it's equally crackpot, is that um, we all know that the um, Robert Strong is made up mostly of the mountain that rides, um, but there's discussion about his head because they supposedly sent his head to Dorne, uh, his skull anyway, and there's talk. The, the most reasonable explanation is that he Robert Strong actually has his head. They just sent the dwarf heads, one of the dwarf heads that was abnormally large, um, because Cersei told uh, everybody that she would give whoever brought her the head of Tyrion uh, a kingdom, so they have a overabundance of people bringing in dwarf heads. So they, that she just sent a dwarf head to Dorne, but, but there's a theory out there, because Joffrey was obsessed with heads, uh, that when the Red Wedding took place and they beheaded Rob Stark... Um, and put a wolf's head, his gray wolf, gray wind, on uh, his head. That they actually sent Rob Stark's head to King's Landing for Joffrey, and Kyburn has mounted that head on top of um, the mountain. What do you think about that? That's the most banana things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I what agree. Is- it's bananas as shit, but I think it's awesome, and I would love to for it to be true. I don't think it's going to become true. But I would love it. I think it's just so fucked up that there's um, no way that there's no way that this is going to happen on the show. I don't. I don't think so either. Because what what is what would the implications be? I mean, what what it's what just would it's even just another fuck you to the Starks and the fact that um, you know, why would they call it Robert Strong? Uh, and a lot of people. Well, obvi- the most obvious thing is uh, kind of to make up for her husband, Cersei's husband, Robert Baratheon. Uh, kind of homage to that because she hated that guy. And now it's a Rob that has let her, has instead of let her down, is her champion, her true champion. But I, I think it'd be better if his name was Robert Strong, because it's half, it's the head of Robert Stark. There's, there's no way it happens. Uh, I, agree, I mean, at but, least. But how awesome would that we should, be? We should, we, we should obviously cut this crazy talk this, out. Yeah, we're cutting all this out. Yeah. Anyway, this has gone on way too long. So, anything else you want to say? Um, yeah, I want to know why uh, Bran went from looking like he was 11 years old in the last episode we saw him in. <laughs> and then the preview looks like he's 30. <laughs> it's, them, it's, that? A, it's them drugs. It's them weirwood drugs. Do you think he's doing ketamine? I think I think he's doing uh, Molly Sue and uh, Mary Blige, all them drugs. What? <laughs> I think he's doing. He's doing, doing, he's doing White Walker. He's he's on that White Walker. 
<laughs> all right, so we're gonna cut most of this. I'm gonna cut this down real bad. This is kind of ridiculous. All right, all right. So, so thanks for joining us on our um, uh, inaugural episode of Ashamed of Thrones. Um, we will be back um, April. I don't know. This two days after the show comes out, um, season six, episode one. All right, let's do that again. And we appreciate you, listener, and I meant singular. We appreciate you, Mom. Listener. We will be back to do a weekly episode recap of um, Season 6, Game of Thrones. We we look Um, forward to talking to you, listener. We look forward to talking to our listener. Uh, Thanks for showing up, guys. Take care. (laughs) Hey, Steve.